Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Psychic's Thoughts. Today, we're going to be discussing the new hit game, a very controversial one at that, Pal World. If you don't know by now, Pal World is an open-world, multiplayer, survival, uh, crafting game that also has a direct copy-and-paste mechanic of Pokemon called Pals, but it's the same thing. These ancient monster creature things, some adorable, some not-so-adorable, you know, colorful characters that look very similar to Pokemon. Of course, they're not Pokemon, but they might as well be. And, um, you know, you can capture them, you can use them, uh, and, and your goal is to just kind of freely play, unlock some objectives, work down the tech tree, expand your world and expand your base and get more pals and, you know, it's kind of casual, you know, it's, um, it's just, yeah, it's kind of a casual experience similar to Minecraft. Not to say that there aren't moments that are definitely more hardcore where you're trying to survive or trying to get something done, but it is a casual experience by all intents and purposes. Now, before I get into Power World and its controversy, I want to do a quick, uh, disclaimer to the channel in general um in the few coming months i'm going to start figuring out how to format this a little differently um just in the sense so it's better audio quality maybe a little more structured maybe not i don't know um the big reason why is because spotify for podcasts which is the app i use which used to be anchor and then last year became spotify for podcasters and now they're making some radical changes on this app which absolutely fucking suck. <laughs> um, one of them being they are removing the ability to record, edit, and publish episodes mobile. Which is ridiculous. So that completely kills my ability to record these. Because that's exactly how I'm doing it. That's how I've always been doing it. That's kind of a, the shtick, the thing. And the reason why, even though it's not as good of audio quality, is I'm not trying to compete with Joe Rogan here. I'm just doing my own thing on my free time. And my free time is so so random to have the time and energy to sit down and set up and all that. As I talked about in my What It's Like to Be an Artist, building frictionless habits to the best of your ability for what you're trying to do is usually the best approach to keep consistent to something. And by no means is this a persistent and consistent thing where I'm like, every Tuesday I have to record my podcast. No. It's kind of as I feel it, and that's what I like. One, it's therapeutic to me, which is really good, and I'm realizing how therapeutic it is to me. And two, um, it's still semi-productive. It gets the word out. Maybe I share some info. Those who are interested can hear it. And um, so even though it's not the highest quality, it's a little scatterbrained. It, it is unfiltered. It is biased because it's just my personal opinions, but it's unfiltered, unedited, uncut, just raw stream of thoughts and subconscious and everything just kind of mixing together. And I also like being able to walk around, though I know you hear me breathing sometimes, I do like to be able to pace around and talk because that helps me think more or makes it more comfortable at least. So, yeah. But now that they're removing that ability and I don't know what other third-party systems could even duplicate because i'll be honest folks it's pretty high quality like yeah no it's not the best right but it is all in app i just record segments i label them if i had add add roles like i used to be able to have that they removed for me 
um, I would have those slotted in. And then I fill in the details and publish. And bada boom, bada bang. And I don't understand why they're removing that feature. Like, they're adding new features for the web-based clientele, for integration with this and that. And that's all well and good. There's no problem there. It's just, like, why do you have to remove a feature that a lot of people use? And I think I know why. It's to eliminate channels like mine. They're trying to raise the threshold. They're trying to say it should not be so easy where if you just have a phone and some earbuds that you can be your own podcaster. But here's the thing. No one who's doing this at the caliber that I'm doing it is claiming they're a podcaster. I don't even tell people I'm a podcaster. I will tell people who may be interested, hey, I also do a podcast on my free time if you're interested. But I'm not walking around. I'm a filmmaker and a rapper. That's where I put my time, energy, money, uh, um, creativity, and and um, expertise in more so than this. And it's not that I don't love or care about this. I do. It's why I do it. I just, um, it doesn't require as much and I don't want to put that type of weight on myself because that will slow this process down. But I'm used to innovating. Apps and systems change in me all the time. I always find a way. And now that this has become such a staple for the past four years, I don't see myself just saying, ah, Oh, well, it's a little more tricky now. And I've been talking about wanting to uh, improve the quality, and this might just uh, force my hand. I kind of wanted to have it optional, where, like, some days when I had the time and energy, I could sit down and do... I've got a nice mic, folks. I record music. I, I have a preamp. I've got a computer. I know how to do this. I did podcast editing as a paid editor. There's no reason why I couldn't make a really banging podcast. Except I'm not trying to become a podcaster. You understand? So that's the thing. You know? And I know that doesn't bode a lot of confidence to you. But just know I'm going to keep doing this. Because that's why it is structured the way it is. It is how I would talk to somebody. That is the entire point of this. This is like a phone call. A one-way phone call where you have no say in it, unfortunately. But it's like a phone call. You get to hear my free flow of thoughts towards usually geared towards a certain topic. It also allows me to explore and come up with new things and figure things out as well, so it's not all structured or pre-written. Anyway, I'm very frustrated by this change. It's completely throwing me for a loop. And quite frankly, folks, I don't actually have the time or energy to fully like invest figuring out a workaround that is feasible to what I really want right now. However, this change does not come into it. First of all, it won't affect previously recorded episodes. All the episodes I've recorded will stay. Nothing will change with those. So that's good, at least. If they were removing everything that was recorded on mobile, I'd lose my shit. That would kill my entire channel. In one fell swoop, there'd be no way. (laughs) That would suck. Um, So they're not doing that, thankfully. Um, But then also... um, I'm just busy. I've got a new short film that I'm working on called Free Will. You can check it out in my links on my socials at Psychic34, Psychic underscore 34. Across the board, you can check out my link tree. I've got the GoFundMe page up there. Any kind of support or interest or at least spreading the word of mouth would be greatly appreciated. And of course, I have a new album that just came out in October called Phoenix, streaming on all platforms under Psychic, P-S-Y-K-I-C-K, capital P, capital K. Once again, thank you all for the support. I do appreciate it. And I'll figure something out. Um, Most likely, it'll just be I don't record as many episodes, but um, I will have a better mic. 
I will use my recording mic. I will sit down. I'll probably do a dual video version as well. Upload that to YouTube. Talk about video games, pop culture, entertainment. Same topics I talk about. Um, just sitting down. Or I'll use one of my lighter microphones. I got multiple microphones. I'll use one of my lighter ones. It'll still be much better audio quality. I can walk around with that. Um, just not as easily. I'm still tethered. Uh, I, in theory, I could still record at the same audio quality. I could still use these earbuds. I could record on BandLab, which I use to do references tracks. Um, that's a mobile recording platform. So I, I guess I could do that. And then I just download the audio and then upload it. But I can't even, I don't even think I can edit or publish mobile. I still have to pull up the laptop. Which I know doesn't sound like a big deal. I have a laptop and a desktop. I could very easily do this. I just, um, it just adds a little more friction to it, you know? I really like just being able to hit record and go. Um, but, oh well. Right. That's okay. I'll figure it out. I have recorded podcasts. I have had two or three episodes where I've recorded on a traditional microphone. I won't tell you which ones those are because you'll go back, you'll listen, you'll be like, holy fuck, why don't you record like this all the time? It sounds so much better. It's because I'm lazy. I, I, and also, the amount of people who listen doesn't warrant the the, uh, the jump in quality yet for me because of my time and energy. Listen, if uh, I'll keep it a buck. If I was trying to be a full-time podcaster, oh my God, whole different situation. I'd be recording, and I'd, I would have purchased a sure microphone by now. I'd have a soundproof room. I'd, you know what I mean? I, I'd have the video stream set up. I'd have the editing flow down pat. I'd be having a YouTube channel tied to this. I mean, if that was all I wanted to be, my God, with the skills and knowledge that I have towards entertainment, media, and, and video, and audio production, I'd be fine. I just don't do that. That's not worth my... I, you know, I'm making short films and I'm making rap albums. The First of all, those singularly are so time-consuming, they're very hard to do together, let alone everything else I try to do, Twitch streaming, podcasts, beats, and everything else that I love to do when and where I can. So that's why this is formatted the way it is, as some of you know and as some of you may not remember. Anyway, moving forward, I want to talk about Power World. It is a game that has stirred much controversy I've played it a good amount in these past few days, and I want to give you my first initial impressions and thoughts on the latest game. Alright, let's talk about Power World and its controversy and uh, what I expected when I first heard about the game. So I first heard about Power World two years ago, two and a half years ago. I saw a little teaser for it, and I was intrigued. I was like, okay, shit, Pokemon with guns. Now, it's kind of funny. I think the people who are most in love with Pokemon are the ones that are most offended by Power World, which I would not have seen coming. <laughs> not everyone. Clearly, there are Pokemon fans who love Power World, but I'm just saying that, like, that seems like of the people who dislike this game, the higher majority of them are people who love Pokemon. And I gotta give you a little backstory on my personal feelings towards Pokemon. It's mixed. When I was a kid, I tried to get into it. I watched the TV show. I collected a fuck ton of the cards. Mostly because my friends did. 
I ain't know jack shit about much of the lore, the backstory, but I liked the cards. I thought they were cool. I liked the idea of trading cards. I like collecting things, certain things, things that are manageable or that are important. Um, so I get it. I got into it. I had a nice little trade book, and I kind of wish I kept it. I gave it away to friends. I sold some of it. I really wish I kept it when I moved. I just wasn't into it. It would have collected dust, but I'm pretty sure I must have had some cards that would be worth a fuck ton of money. Like, pay off debt kind of money. But I don't know. I'm not saying like millions, but I'm... I probably had a card or two that were 15 to 30k. If I had two cards that were worth 60k or 30k or whatever, near 100k for a couple Pokemon cards, oh my fuck. That's... Uh, but, you know, can't dwell on something you don't have and you can't dwell on the past for a decision you couldn't have known about. So, anyway, moving on. Um, so I was into it, right? To an extent. Uh... I much rather play Bionicles and play with Nerf guns and play on my GameCube or my Wii. That's where I was really geared towards. So Pokemon was kind of this afterthought. Now I had a Nintendo DS. I had some of the Pokemon games. I had some friends who really were into them. I liked them, but the turn base kind of put you know turned me off. Funny enough, I I am more appreciative of it now, but I just. It was boring for me. I, I like games that actually force me to play the fucking game. Um, now, there are games that are strategy games. You've got XCOM. You've got RTS games like Halo Wars. You've got games that are turn-based like Pokemon. And there's nothing wrong with them. They are games through and through, and they're goddamn well-made. And Pokemon is no slacker. It's a well-made game. And I do like the game. It's just not my speed for the most part. Like, it's not something I would default to, if that makes sense. I'll try it. I, I might enjoy parts of it. But at the end of the day, I'm going to be like, I'd rather just kill the creature myself. <laughs> or, you know, have the Pokemon assist me and kill it. Like, you know what I mean? Especially with the innovation and the uh, the evolution of how gameplay has changed over time. So, Yeah. So I guess in so many ways I've always wanted a Pal World, but from Pokemon. Um, but I, I honestly, I don't think we would have ever gotten that, so I'm glad we get it from Pal World. Um, so when I first saw the teaser of it, it was just Pokemon with guns, I, I knew immediately, one, I'm intrigued, two, I don't think it has the legs, right? I think the marketability is fucking fantastic, but I don't think, like at, at the time, Two years ago, we were watching a 30-second game. I thought it was pretty. It looked cool. It looked interesting. But at the end of the day, it was like, okay, this is like coming from a couple people we never heard of, right? Small company, small studio. I mean, you know, it's an indie game. Who knows the quality? Who knows how stable this will be when it gets to And who knows how large and ambitious this will be? And then also, everyone's looking at this like, unless you're following really closely to parody law, you're going to be copyright-stricken to hell. Because Pokemon will come after you. It, I mean, oh my fucking god. It is Pokemon. I mean, it's like... <laughs> it it would be like if you opened up your own fast food restaurant with, uh, with the Big Whack and the uh, Wick Nuggets. And it, instead of the Golden Arches being an M, they're flipped and they're a W. 
that's like that's the amount of changes it has with a few new things on the menu and a few things taken off the old menu that they're copying that's about the difference so it's so identical in ways where if so like a boomer who doesn't play Pokemon but knows of it has kids or grandkids who play it might see Power World and think that's Pokemon. Whereas games like Monster Hunter and I mean there's other games with creatures and world building, Arc Evolved and all or Survival Evolved, whatever it's called, things like that. They they'd see that, they wouldn't think that's Pokemon. So what I'm saying is this is a copy. But that being said, if it was truly uh, an illegal infringement of a copyright law, they would have been struck down. Matter of fact, they wouldn't have been able to get it on Xbox Game Pass, which it's on right now through the game preview system. Uh, they wouldn't have gotten, well, they could have gotten it on Steam, but they wouldn't have gotten very far with this. So... We live in an era where games of all kinds can be a live service game, it usually is, can be a um, single player game, doesn't really matter, can blow up in popularity. And that could be because of the developer, because of the franchise, because of the, uh, the IP, because of the word of mouth, because the fact it's an indie game no one's ever heard of. Right? Take Among Us, take Lethal Company, for example. Take Fall Guys, for example. Right? Now Power World is in that mix. The finals, sort of. Didn't blow up as much as I was hoping. But here's the thing. Um, the difference with Power World is it's selling better than any of those games combined. It's crossing 20 million copies sold. It has not even been out for a full week. Or it just now has crossed the full week of it being out. Maybe two now. I don't know. That's nuts. It's in early access, people. It's not a finished build of a game yet. And it's crossed 20 million. And mind you, uh, that doesn't. I don't think they're counting Game Pass in that. They're counting purely Steam. At one point, it had 2 million concurrent players playing the game on Steam last week. That's higher sales than any Pokemon game ever in the history of Pokemon. Let me repeat that. Pal World has outsold the highest selling Pokemon game just within its first week. Now, to be fair... The highest selling Pokemon, it was an established franchise, people already knew about it, there was no virality to it, and the internet wasn't as explosive towards video, new video games as it is now, okay? Also, the new Pokemon was a full price game, and the availability of it was drastically reduced, right? Now, everyone, most people own a Nintendo console of some sort, but even though Nintendo has a huge market cap, and hardware-wise, they're still limited, you know, you can only play Pokemon if you have a Nintendo console, whatever that may be at the time, whether it's a Switch, a DS, a GameCube, a Wii, doesn't matter. Usually it's a Nintendo DS and Switches, though. Um, so, and Game Boys. So, the point is that um, their highest selling is restricted to one piece of hardware, whereas Power World is all of the PC market, which is, of course, the largest variety um, of hardware. Hell, if you have a laptop, a gaming laptop that's just powerful enough, you could run it, right? So, there's that. It is also on Xbox. And Xbox Game Pass, which has another 20 million potential people. And the difference with that is they get to try it for free. It's only 6 gigabytes, they get to download it, and they get to play it for free. 
And that's how I'm experiencing it. I'm playing on my Xbox for free. I didn't have to pay $30. And to be honest, folks, I wouldn't have paid $30. That's really not my type of game I would invest in early access. I have nothing against it. I just, it's not something I'd pay $30 for. You know what I mean? But I'm glad that they're getting that money. I'm glad that they're going to be able to polish this game up. Hopefully, they stay legally protected. Hopefully, they can branch off. Listen, you can have competitors. They're going to copy you. Look how many similar things. We're all humans. We all think and feel very similarly, right? And if we're going to be truthful with ourselves, like if we're really going to take a hard look at things, yeah, they copy a lot of Pokemon, and some of that's a little much, but whatever. It works, right? It's a formula we understand. How many things have copied Halo? Or Star Wars? Or, you know what I mean? But aside from that, Pokemon's just replicating nature. Like, almost every creature you see in Pokemon is uh, designed based off natural animals that exist. And most of the shit you see in Pal World is the same. Based off things that you see in nature. Yeah, some of the designs, some of the naming conventions, some of the functionality and mechanics of these things are too similar to how Pokemon functions. Specifically the balls. Also, the fact that it starts with a P. Pal World. It works, it flows, it rolls off the tongue nicely, but it's a P. Like, of all the things, right? And you have these pow balls that you throw and you capture them with a percentage rate of getting them. It's just like Pokemon Go. Here's the other interesting thing. Pokemon Go. We need to talk about that as well. I think a lot of people disregard that because it wasn't a full-feature Pokemon, right? It wasn't a traditional game. It doesn't fucking matter. That game was massive. The amount of money that that game generated it changed the course of the mobile industry. And it is a sole reason why... Not a sole reason. It is a key reason, if you don't realize this, to why Microsoft bought Activision Blizzard, to why Fortnite and Epic Games is acquired partially by Tencent, the reason why Tencent invests so much in Supercell. Uh, it's also Supercell's in their own league. Mobile gaming. Mobile gaming is huge because almost everyone has a mobile device. So if you can make a game that can be accessible to not just... Um, 100 million or 200 million people or 20 million people, but a hardware that is accessible to over 5 to 6 billion people. Holy fuck. Now, that doesn't mean much, right? I mean, there's over 200 million people who have Spotify. That doesn't mean I'm going to get 200 million people listening to me on Spotify. Though that would be nice and that would change the course of my life permanently and it'd be incredible. Um, and scary and daunting and overwhelming and, and probably blow my brains out after the pressure, but of going from zero to 200 million, that would be not zero, but you know, going from 20 or 25 to 200 million. I do want to point out real quick with my music, it's a slow trajectory. Some albums have done better than others. It's all progressively getting much better in audio quality, in flow, in writing, everything like the quality of the album just outpaces the last one tenfold so i'm always proud of the next project i put out and it is much better than the previous iteration and i'm doing them back to back every year so that's a pretty good growth rate however the actual streaming number the actual gain of fans is actually it's small but it's actually very consistently growing as well 
And it's something I don't always realize because these metrics are hard to understand, right? If an album gets 30,000 streams, da, da, da. But if I'm just looking at not like moments of it spiking and having catching people because the algorithm and I got lucky and some other factors, if I'm just looking at like consistency and fans and retention rate, it is way better. I mean, folks, by four years ago, my first album, I got 400 streams total, 450, 500 on Spotify, which is not bad for a debut album of no name with no marketing and no no knowledge of what they're doing and a pretty shitty production quality. Um, so not bad, right? But 500 streams ain't nothing. But it's not really the streams. What was interesting is only had a few followers and a few consistent people. But every year I dropped something, I had more followers, more retention. And of course, this also branches out to other streaming platforms, but Spotify is the best analytics. So that's why I use them as a benchmark. Um, now... I don't have a lot of followers. I'm still so, so, so low on the totem pole. Or high, technically. Because lower on the totem pole is a bigger status. So that's kind of flipped. It's weird. Anyway. um, But it's more consistent. I get more monthly listeners than I've ever gotten before. And we're talking months and months after an album dropped. Right? Because it used to be within the first month, it's always good, right? When I drop a new album. The month after is okay. And then after about... By the second or third month, those streams dropped to like one to three people is how it used to be. So I was just lucky to get one to three streams a, a month, a day, right, within the month. And now I'm averaging 20 to 25. Sometimes more. Sometimes it spikes. I get a couple hundred in the course of a week. That's a pretty big growth from going from 2 to 5 to uh, 20 to 25 in the course of 4 years, consistently. Doesn't sound like a lot, but the steps in between were pretty drastic. God, I dreamed of just a thousand streams a month consistently. That would change a lot. First of all, Spotify, it's not only fucking me in the podcast, they're fucking me over with their minimum threshold payout, which in totality is not the biggest deal because it's not like I'm making that many streams that it count, but you have to now per track have a thousand streams to get paid, whereas it used to be you just get paid when you publish your music. And it's only with Spotify, Apple Music, Title, all these other ones will still pay you per stream, per track, doesn't matter how many streams. There's no threshold. Spotify is doing this to reduce the incentive of just people uploading whatever. And I get that, but I feel like it's it's killing indie artists who are trying to make something of themselves. Folks, and you might be like, well, just get more streams. Well, <laughs> It ain't that easy. If it were, you don't, you know, we'd be more people doing it. I don't have the resources and know-how to make that impact. So unless I go viral or just keep consistent and grow my little fan base. And I'm looking at other platforms and distributors that will pay me out way better. And that will help me cultivate a smaller ground. Because listen, I don't mind if I'm small in numbers, but as long as it's solid and it's affecting people and I'm being compensated for the time and energy still then that's fine you know we'll see anyway a little side tangent there but I just wanted to point that out hey back to the topic at hand so with Power World I thought this was a game that didn't have much structure much, many bones to it 
Um, it seemed like it was a good idea on paper. Oh, a Pokemon with guns, it seems kind of fun. But so then it's like, okay, so then what do you do? Like, what, it's just shootouts now? So now it's just a third-person shooter with Pokemon skins. Like, what's the difference? What makes it unique? Then I played it. And I waited a week and a half. I let all the controversy, all the reviews, all the love, the hate, all that trickle in. I watched some of it. I kept an eye on it. And it made me wary. I thought, okay, this is another one of those viral things that maybe not actually as good as people say. It's just different, and that's what we cling on for. So, um, And I usually try to stay away from those viral trends that blow up so rapidly that everybody's just on board with it. Because then I feel like I'm just bandwagoning it. You know what I mean? And so the best way to kind of curb that, in my opinion, is to just wait. <laughs> now, if you're one of those early adopters who already was on board with it before it came out, before other impressions came through, that's different. I'm that way with a lot of things, like Splitgate. Splitgate, I was playing before it had its monumental explosion in popularity. You know, I was playing a couple weeks beforehand, and I loved it. And so, to see other people kind of get into it was cool. Now, unfortunately, they didn't have the legs to keep it going, even though they should have. But it's not really their fault. It's actually just how this culture works. We devour a game, and then we move on. So, it's the games that can create an emotional attachment... Or a logistical attachment where you'd want to come back and give it a stab. And there's nothing wrong with like playing a game, playing the bulk of it, and then coming back a season later. Seeing what's different, right? And then playing a few hours that month. That's all they need. Right, so Power World's going to get the majority of its gameplay time in this first year of its release. People devouring the content, some of them wanting to get all the Powells, right? Like, just all that. And then... The question is then, what does it do? What does it iterate on? Does it become another game lost in time? Here's the thing. I don't think it would because none of these other games that like blew up in popularity and virality and did really well considering the low budget and the small people, all that, none of them have sustained the numbers that Pal World has on Steam. That's really impressive when you're outpacing Counter-Strike in concurrent players. Like 2 million concurrent players. Um... Most games don't get that. Concurrent, for just not trying to lecture on English here, but just quite literally in the game sense, for context, like that means everyone's logged in playing at the same fucking time, right? Concurrently. Because like 2 million downloads, 2 million... That's, that's a good amount too for such a small development team. But like that's... That could be people just downloading it or buying it off of hype and then playing it for 30 minutes. No, 2 million people were playing it at the same time. That's massive. I don't think Among Us ever reached those levels. I don't think, I don't think any of these other games that I've talked about before, maybe they have, but um, that's huge. Not a lot of games do that. But if you notice the ones that blow up in virality because there's 
aspects to that. And I want to talk about that real quick before I actually get into the specific pros of what I like, personally like about the game. And what some of the cons or what are the things I'm worried about and some other things before I wrap up. But I do want to talk about how this works because this is important. We're going to see more games like this every few months. And I will comment on them regardless of my podcasting situation. I'll figure that out. Just stick with me. Bear with me in these next few months as I navigate all this shit. Because it is stressful to an extent. But um, there's a couple structures to this. A couple key principles at play, I, I believe. One, um, the games that go viral, they go viral for various reasons. Influencers and people just playing it and accessibility is usually a big aspect. And how fun it looks. Um, then there's two factors to gaming. There's the people who watch people play video games. There's the people who play video games. And of course there's people who do both. But a lot of people may not have access to consoles, may not have access to that game, whether it's console exclusive or whether they just don't have the funds for it at that time. Whatever the case may be, they may watch their favorite Twitch streamer or watch their favorite influencer or YouTuber play it. Right? So let's plays and things of that nature as well. Walkthroughs, gameplay breakdowns, podcasts about gaming like myself, shit like that. So there's the other side of gaming that helps spread the virality and shares the game even for those who may not have a PC. Like right now, every PlayStation player who only has a PlayStation can't play Power World. I think Microsoft is going to buy the company behind Power World and make it their own. Oh, and real quick, as a side note, IGN is being paid big bucks by Sony. I just want to point point that out. IGN's one of the biggest international gaming networks, which I honestly, I don't think IGN stands for that, but it should if it doesn't. Uh, but I don't think it does. I think it stands for something else, but maybe it does. Anyway, they're huge. They're one of the biggest video game outlets. And regardless how you feel about them over the years, they are reliable in a lot of general factual info on a game so even if you don't watch the reviews they give you a lot of good insight in the industry right however they're biased and it's becoming worse and worse every year and they have their biases every outlet every publication every individual has their biases some are getting paid to push those biases further or to even have them in the first place and i am not uh, i i don't know for a fact right this is all speculative I am very, 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 very convinced that IGN is getting paid by Sony to slander Xbox at every given natural opportunity, right? They can, they're they not just going to go out and say Xbox sucks, but when Xbox makes a fumble, they're going to make a real big deal out of it. When Sony does, they're not really giving a shit. And I don't think that's fair. I think Sony and Microsoft should both be held equally <laughs> accountable. They're just mega companies and... Affiliation of one over the other is ridiculous. This whole gang mentality towards a fucking product is unhealthy. I get it. We all have our preferred consoles and our preferred ways of playing because that's what we grew up with or maybe it's sentimental or maybe that's where we've invested the most time, money, and energy and where our ecosystem is embedded. That's the biggest thing for me. Like if I made the jump to PlayStation, which I'm not against getting a PlayStation, as soon as I have the the funds to be able to do so comfortably, I might. The problem is I just I don't have a network there. No, I could build one, but my friends are on Xbox. The ones I want to play with. 
And I don't want to force them to get a PlayStation. And the only reason why I would get a PlayStation is to take a stab at some of these exclusives so I'm not left out. However, I have a PC, so that minimizes the impact of the exclusives for me personally, right? So things like that. Anyway, Microsoft's been... People have been making a fuss because Microsoft is reconsidering what they want as first-party exclusives. It kind of sucks being an Xbox person because you kind of want them to punch back with some exclusives. You know, it's exciting. It's like, ooh, well, you guys get that. That's cool. That's cool. Well, we got this and you can't have this, right? But it's just a continuation of the same mentality that just cannibalizes their company. Microsoft Xbox does not do well with first-party exclusives. They used to, and they've lost that window. And they've lost so much momentum, it would be just asinine for them to try to take another stab at that. And why do that when you can just have more money and then? Remember, these are corporations. Their entire goal is to make more money. Now, there's multiple ways of doing so, right? Licensing, leasing subscription services, selling games, selling consoles and hardware, all these other things, right? And brand loyalty is a big, big, big factor of psychological implementation that helps coerce the masses into being emotionally and, and mentally attached to something. And that's fine. Everything will have its personal value, you know? It will have its pragmatic value and it will have its personal value. That's part of being human. That's okay. But here's the thing. PlayStation's really leaning into that. And Microsoft is actively ripping the roots of that out of its players. And that is why this is so weird. We have two of the Titans who are technically supposed to be competing, and they are diametrically opposed in the philosophy of where to go in the future, while still developing similar hardware and infrastructure that would actually manifest in near identical um, systems. It's just some have, you know, PlayStation's got that, Microsoft's got that, and that will still stay the case. The difference is Microsoft is investing in reducing its walls, and PlayStation's reinforcing them. PlayStation's finally catching on. That's why Helldivers 2, which looks fucking great, by the way, but we'll see how it actually pans out, just came out a couple days ago, and it is on PC and PlayStation day and date. This is the first time a PlayStation exclusive of the PS5 generation has launched day and date on PC and PlayStation. So this is Sony's concerted effort to try to put more PlayStation games, and I know, I'll get back to Power World, this all connects, to get um, PlayStation games back... Uh, not just on PlayStation, but also on PC, kind of this higher middle ground, right? Um, you know, because Microsoft, all their games go to PC. I mean, they own Windows OS, which is what most operating systems run off for PC, so it's only natural. They know how to integrate it better than anyone else, and that's something they don't get props for. If you ever see an Xbox first-party game, when it comes to PC, I mean, everything has its bugs and problems, but when it comes to PC... It's buttery smooth. The port has almost no issues. <laughs> when PlayStation, I mean, Helldivers 2 is having a lot of PC port problems right now. And that could be because, that's probably because the developer size, the scale, their budget, right? I mean, there's other logistics at play, but I can't help but think if you're part of the Xbox first party platform, you have some ways to know and streamline into their Windows operating system. Since it uses a lot of the same computing systems as an Xbox. 
Anyway, all of that to say that there, that's just some new headline that's also coming out. I don't want to make a whole podcast episode about it, but I just want to talk about it briefly when it came up. So Xbox is, you know, they might be changing the Xbox gaming service to Microsoft gaming, right? The reason why they would incorporate that mobile platform idea, the cloud platform. This is all stuff we knew that was coming, and I don't know why people are so surprised. The big surprise is that they are looking at making some of their beloved first-party exclusives and some that were considered first-party either timed exclusives or not exclusives at all and just releasing them on PlayStation, Here's what people are not thinking about. A couple things. One, if they did happen to release their games on PlayStation, they're making money. They've just opened up their entire thing. Right? They've just opened up their their business to more players than ever. Instantly. They're never going to be able to get their games on Nintendo. That's just not feasible. They're on PC. They're on Xbox. PlayStation is the biggest pie, other than PC. They're the biggest pie. If they just started putting their games on there, do you know how much more money they would make? It's nuts. Also, the companies that they have just acquired in the past four years are some of the largest third-party publishing developers. That's the other thing people are not thinking about. Why the fuck would Microsoft buy Bethesda and Activision Blizzard King and make all that exclusive? Now, some of it should be exclusive, but some of it shouldn't. Most of it shouldn't. It's the same case with Minecraft. Look how successful Minecraft has been since they purchased it in 2014, 2015. It's still going strong. You know what I mean? So... Their whole, the whole name of the game, their entire game plan for the next decade is accessibility. They will break down every barrier. They're trying to be the Netflix of gaming, and they might work. At the, it might work. They have the most power, money, and they have put this plan in place almost 10 years ago. They started developing this plan in 2017. That's the whole point of Game Pass, to make games more accessible. Of course, it's easier to do it on your native proprietary hardware, like your Xboxes. And then they expanded the xCloud, and then whatever other new hardware. That's why they're getting license agreements with Samsung to have the Xbox Game Pass app on Samsung. So you can cloud stream on a fucking smart TV if you don't have the hardware. They're trying to make it so you can play an Xbox game, whether you have an Xbox or not. And the philosophy behind that is ingenious because a lot of people do not realize how many people don't actually have consoles but would like to play these games. So if they only had to pay 10 or 15 bucks a month and they can get a reliable way of playing these games with no additional cost. Right? Google Stadia perfected the technology behind well, they didn't perfect, but they got the technology really good for cloud gaming, but then they had came the problem where they only had so many games on there and you still had to buy them fully through their system. And pay the subscription. It was just too costly. But the technology was there and it's only improved over time. So anyway, I'm sorry for that side tangent, but that's a big point I want to make. Game Pass will continue to grow. Xboxes will continue to be made. Microsoft will still have exclusives. There's no way they would never, they would not give up every single exclusive. Folks, the whole, like, first of all, it's leaks. I don't think anything's been officially confirmed. I feel like we would have heard from them. Maybe it has, but it's all speculative. Changing it to Microsoft Gaming, that's just a title change. It means they're going to encompass more things. That's inevitable. They were going to do that when they buy, bought a company for $70 billion fucking dollars. What, 
What do you think they were going to do? They changed their internal structure. It was Phil Spencer is no longer called head of Xbox Studios. He's called head of Microsoft Gaming. They changed that last summer. <laughs> so what makes you think they're not going to change the name of the services? They're trying to get away from the singular proprietary brand. I think that's kind of stupid, but oh well. What's the problem with having everything gaming-related be called Xbox? Unless it's Windows PC gaming. But that's why, because they're going to have Xbox, mobile, PC gaming, cloud streaming. And so all this infrastructure is much bigger than just the Xbox name brand. But honestly, the Xbox is one of the largest and most well-known video game brands in the world. So I don't know why they'd forfeit that, but Microsoft is more well-known, so I guess it doesn't matter. That's just naming conventions. The structure has already changed internally, and that's what really matters. So they are going to start doing, rolling things out. Now, the question is, Xbox loyal fans, myself included, are a little hurt because some of these games we were hoping, oh, we finally get a punch, is exclusive. We're getting our teeth kicked in, realizing, yeah, PlayStation will get them too. So then the question is, well, why do we have this? And here's the real kicker. PlayStation and all these other things, they're not getting every single goddamn game that is first-party exclusive on Xbox, or that will be. They're just getting a couple. And they announced two that are potentially up to being third, that are potentially being up to go to PlayStation, maybe some more. And there's there's reasons behind this, and I'm so sorry for going way off the rails on Power World here, but I, I really just want to make this point clear, because I'm not going to do a whole episode on this, but I'll just do, finish this quick segment with this and get back to Power World. It does link, because I have theories about Power World and how, and Microsoft and all that. Um, and that's why I'm talking about it, because I, I, anyway, um, the two main games that they that have been in discussion, Starfield, which Okay, I mean, it was a solid game. No one really fucking plays it. Who gives a shit? I mean, I know it was Bethesda's next big thing. No, no, no. It didn't take off that well. It did well in its initial phase. It's not getting played that much. Who cares? Give it to PlayStation. It doesn't fucking matter. It's, first of all, when it goes to PlayStation, it's going in two avenues. One, they're going to make a Game Pass app that will be playable on PlayStation, which is nuts. And also, they would still have to pay a subscription to get that. It's not like they're just giving the goddamn game. And then also, they'd still have to pay full price if they weren't doing, if they couldn't get Game Pass on PlayStation. But instead, it was like, oh, you do get this, like, you could download the game like anything, but you have to buy it at full price. So they'd still have to buy Starfield for 60 or 70 bucks. Whereas if you have an Xbox, you have Game Pass, you just download it and play it. So there's still a massive fucking advantage to it. Folks. Sony has one game that comes to Xbox every year, and I don't think people really give this much stock because nobody plays this game, really, but MLB The Show. It's a great game. It's probably one of the best sports games out there. It's not perfect, but goddamn, is it good. And since 2021, it has come on Game Pass day and date, day one of it coming out. It is a PlayStation game. Now, MLB came in and said, hey, why is our premier baseball game the only official triple-A baseball game that we give our licensing to only going to PlayStation. Why can't it go to Microsoft Xbox? And so they struck a deal with Phil Spencer and with Sony, and they're like, listen, Sony devs are still going to get paid for it in the same way, but it does have to go to Xbox. And then Microsoft, I assume, was just like, well, great, but people don't 
buy baseball games off Rip like that. Why don't we throw it on Game Pass? See how that goes. And it's doing really well. It does really well. They keep renewing the license, I assume. Or maybe it's a general contract term. I don't know. But MLB Show 2024 is coming out later in early, mid-March, like clockwork. Same day it comes out on uh, PlayStation, except the difference is on PlayStation you have to pay 70 fucking dollars, or 40 maybe it's half price, I don't know. You have to pay its full retail price for it, whereas on Xbox you don't have to pay a penny if you have Game Pass, you just download that motherfucker. Same day, day one, and it's a PlayStation game. So my point is, in all of this, that if the few exclusives that we thought were going to be first-party exclusives go to PlayStation, I doubt they will be just accessible like that. I doubt they will get that. The other big one is Indiana Jones. And I understand that that is big because that would have been dope to have. I mean, they got Uncharted, for fuck's sake. They got God of War. They got, I mean, they got plenty of games, right? I want Ghost of Tsushima. I want Bloodborne. I want all those games, right? I can't have them. Oh, well. I'll move on with life. And, of course, those are the two PlayStation-exclusive games that have not yet been ported to PC. So just my fucking luck. Those are the two main PlayStation games I desperately want. Like, those would be the first ones I'd buy. And Spider-Man games. I mean, but I can get those on PC. I can get the God of Wars, all that. And that's well and good. But I'm not in as much of a hurry for those as I am Ghost of Tsushima and uh, Bloodborne. Anyway. Um, but Indiana Jones, the reason why that would be going on PlayStation is that's a Disney call. That's not a Microsoft call. Remember, when they gave Bethesda the licensing rights to make... Indiana Jones, that was before Microsoft acquired them. That was when they were third-party. So inevitably, that game would have been third-party. And I assume that was always the case. They never confirmed that Indiana Jones was going to be first-party. Ever. I don't think they ever stated officially that Indiana Jones will be a party exclusive. It may be a limited exclusive, and that's the best they can do. And that's a big deal. That's still... Making someone wait an entire year to have access to the game, that's pretty big. Especially if the game's a big, big hit. Anyway, so I just want to point all that out to say that Pal World is inevitably going to be purchased by Microsoft. <laughs> um, something is going on behind the scenes. I don't know what it is, but I think Microsoft tapped in and saw what was happening behind the scenes and... You know, indie devs are able to publish to Game Pass, and it's not easy, but they're able to get their games on Game Pass and the game preview early access window in the same way. But I don't know, folks. There's a reason why Power World is only on Xbox and PC. Now, I don't think it's going to be restricted and not be allowed, but I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion. I mean, um, Microsoft has already invested in, in helping the console port of Power World with better server stability, connectivity, and uh, performance. That's part of it through their systems and probably the guarantee of their product on Game Pass, but like, really? They're helping that much? So... I don't know. Maybe it's just because they want it on Game Pass and they want their players to have access to it. But I I would think they'd want some of that money, especially after the success. Why not have a game like Power World under your belt? That'd be fucking dope if 
That'd be a huge acquisition. Because, first of all, it's not a big deal. It's not going to cause the FTC, it's not going to throw them into a hissy fit, and it's not going to be that expensive to buy them or acquire them. Um, or to at least merge or partner in an exclusive contract deal for the next few years because they may not want to invest that kind of money. But um, they have Minecraft. What more? What more do I need to say? Sony would most likely, if they could, buy up the Power World devs. Absolutely, and make that a PlayStation exclusive with a P limited PC port. Are you kidding me? They would have absolutely jumped on that opportunity. So I feel like that's what's happening behind the scenes. Now it's game preview, and Xbox allows game preview windows through Game Pass. I'm not sure if Sony does through any of their systems, so that's also part of it. But, like, I don't know. I'm going to do some more research into that, because I do think PAL World in the near future could be acquired or merged or sign an exclusive contract deal, temporary, uh, you know, a timed exclusive with Microsoft. I could definitely see that happening. So, yeah. Because they already have them in the door, right? They're already on Game Pass. They're already friendly with them. It's not like they're approaching them for the first time. And it's contributing to their success. The fact that you can play it on Game Pass. And I think on Game Pass PC as well. I'm not 100% sure. Um, my desk is fucked up, so I haven't been able to set up my PC safely. So I'm waiting to get my new desk before I can. And then I gotta update my PC and check what's new. Get back into the PC gaming world since I've been traveling. But anyway. So Power World has been going through a, a massive, massive, momentous uproar of success. And I'm so sorry. I got way off tra track with Microsoft and Sony Talk. And I apologize for that. But I am free, you know, freely flowing here. Um... Some of the other core pennants that make a viral game last and keep the longevity is not only its virality in the first place, right? It's public awareness, it's marketability, whether word of mouth or good public treatment, whatever. That's all well and good. You need that, clearly. But the other factors are it has to be very solid gameplay, decent enough performance for the context, whether it's the scale of the developers, is it early access, things like that. There's context to what's to be forgiven for a certain scale of production. But for the most part, regardless, it has to run pretty smoothly on its intended hardware and demographic. And when you have those two elements, and it, you know, play and work and, and be fluid and fun, and then, aside from the first few hours of it being fun and the new factor and all that, the biggest thing that a lot of people forget about. It's not originality, it's not none of that, not creativity. That's all there. Um, it's creating the urgency to come back. And this goes for every game development, but the difference is when it's a COD or a Madden or a Diablo, there's more at stake. First of all, it's a bigger franchise. There is more consistency. There is a lot more content and you are most likely a longtime supporter of that franchise so it's second nature. But when we're adopting new franchises, IPs, companies, and games into our lifestyle and cycle, um, it's different and they need to enforce a sense of urgency to come back and an intrigue and desire to turn the game back on the next day. 
the easiest way of conditioning that component in a video game, and this is just basic philosophy here, or psychological understanding of how people work, psychic logical, anyway, uh, is social. It's why all these games that I'm talking about that really blew up out of nowhere that are indie games, low budget, all that, right? The biggest factor that kept them going for so long is the social aspect. The fact that you could play with friends. And it's not just that. They're really, really well integrated social aspects. They they lean into the, the aesthetics, the motifs, and the gameplay mechanics of, of the game itself in the social setting. If you remove multiplayer from most of those games, now some of them are purely multiplayer PvP games, right? So it's a little different. But if you remove multiplayer aspects from them or reduce the effectiveness of their multiplayer aspects, those games would not have stood the test of time nearly as long or has even had a chance to blow up the way they did. It is that social aspect. It is the reason why virality works, right? Oh, did you hear Timmy was playing that? Oh, yeah, okay. I was watching a YouTuber. It's the discussion about the game, and then it's the exploration of that said game with the people you discussed it with, or by yourself, doesn't matter, but it ha if it has a social aspect, if it has a social feature, it will explode, and it will stay in people's mind frame much longer than if it didn't, but it has to be backed up by solid performance, it has to be backed up with consistent content, because usually it's stuff that's like bare bones, so it has to have more content, it has to have good communication on its roadmap and its intentions, and it has to work. And that's why Fortnite worked so goddamn well. Fortnite had a good amount of money behind it, but it was small, it was unheard of, it was free, it was accessible, right? So it covered the accessibility, it was new, it was refreshing, but it was familiar because it was still Battle Royale and we were familiar with how that worked by that point, so it wasn't completely new. And it created that yearning to get back into it because it had the competitive gameplay loop of trying to get the dub, right? That is a natural desire that would be implemented when you play the game it is challenging but it is progressively and well balanced in its challenge it has great social features it was completely cross-play you could play it on mobile you could play it on console you could play it on pc and it was fully cross-play cross-progression and it worked buttery smooth it looked good and it performed really really fucking well considering what was going on behind the scenes in terms of like the the, the mechanics and the infrastructure And it took two years of keeping that consistent before it became a mainstay. Yeah, it was viral, but it could have fallen off its virality wagon quickly. Look at what happened to Black Ops um, 4's Blackout mode. That game was hopping. That was the first iteration of COD taking on the Battle Royale genre, and it was fucking fantastic. It played well, it was fun, it looked great, it was exciting. It was just packaged in a shitty all 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 around a shitty game. And the difference was it was 60 bucks. The whole reason why Fortnite won out against PUBG and Call of Duty 4 Black Ops in 2017 and 2018, the whole reason is because Fortnite was free. And I mean, it played well, it was good, it was dynamic, right? All these other aspects, but it was free. Yeah, you have microtransactions, but the main gameplay was free. Those other games you have to purchase. And not only was it free, it was completely accessible on all platforms and very easy to get into. That barrier of entry made it really easy. It's the same reason why Among Us was so accessible. It wasn't necessarily free to play, but it was five bucks. Or two bucks on the app store or something. So stupid cheap. 
Same reason why Lethal Company exploded. It was all it's all the social aspect, and it's only on Steam, but still, it's only ten bucks. Power World's a little more expensive. It's thirty dollars on Steam, but that's still half the price of a new game. And on Game Pass, it's completely free, so you still have that accessibility factor, and it has multiplayer and it has all these other elements. So that's that's what makes Virality last. Now, I think Power World will last. I think. Unfortunately, it will last longer than the finals. And I've talked about the finals. You can check out my podcast on that. I fucking love that game. That's a free-to-play game. It is well-designed. It looks great. It's got great destructibility. All these cool factors. It's really all there. And the beta was an absolute blast. And I played it a little bit. And it's on consoles. It came out on consoles same day. Day and date. And it's fully cross-play. It's, it's just it's a perfect example of what to do right. And I feel horrible that I'm not playing it much. I bought the first season Battle Pass. I thought I was going to really, you know, play it a lot. And it's mostly because I left my PC because I've been traveling. And I prefer to play it on PC. That's the biggest factor. And I've been playing, getting back into Rainbow Six Siege with my buddies on Game Pass. Um, and just playing Rainbow Six for the past month and a half. So it's really hard to switch gears and go back to the finals. Especially when I can't play with all my friends on the finals. But the finals free-to-play game, it's really well made and I love it, but I don't think it'll stick the same way Power World does. Even though it's just as well designed for its own respect. So let's talk about what makes Power World work. Here we go. Okay, folks, so I did a little research, and by little I did a quick Google search and looked at some things. First off, Power World is the second largest game to ever launch on Steam. <laughs> it's nuts. It is the third largest game to ever launch on Game Pass. It has 12 million purchases on Steam. As of when that was written, that was a, a week ago, so it's probably grown. And has over 7 million on downloads on Game Pass. That's a huge. Microsoft is giving resources to the devs, which um, their Pocket Pair Inc. is the development studio. They're based in uh, Tokyo. Um, they're giving development tools to help expedite the process to roll out faster and better updates, um, especially for the Xbox port. It is also on PC through Game Pass. So if you have PC Game Pass, you can download it for free. It's a $30 game at full price, but... Game preview is that way. Um, Xbox needs more Tokyo-based game studios in its portfolio. This game is monumentally successful. And it is continuing its success. It's fact, it's only growing. I am going to start Twitch streaming soon. I probably start next week, to be honest. I've just been kind of taking it slow this week. And I meant to get around to it this week. And I just got too overwhelmed. Uh, so I'll probably start streaming, Twitch streaming Power World, to be honest with you, as well as Diablo and Rainbow Six and a couple other games. Um, but yeah, exciting times indeed. So yeah, let me talk about this game finally. So when I first heard about it, I was interested. And then when I first saw some gameplay and more trailers and people talking about it, because it came out January 18th, and I was still... It didn't blow up then, it blew up... Two and a half weeks ago, you know. But, um, well, I guess it came out like two and a half weeks ago, but it blew up like a week ago. So within the first week, it was doing well. It just wasn't, like, exploding. 
and virality. And while it was, I was just ignoring it. First of all, I was away, I wasn't really focused on it, I was playing Rainbow Six, and it looked interesting, and I still wanted to get it, and once I saw it was on Game Pass, I'm like, oh yeah, shit, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I just put it off, I forgot to download it for a couple days, and so... And then I finally downloaded it like three days ago, from today, and I tried it. I was blown away. <laughs> I mean, it's made in Unreal Engine 5, and I've heard that the Game Pass version on Xbox is not nearly as good as the PC version, it's not as stable, the frame rate, fidelity, some of these things. Yeah, okay, but all the content is all the same. Really, that's fine. And also, if it's cross-progression, which I don't think it is, and I don't know if it's cross-play either, so I'd rather just play it on Xbox, because that's where my friends are. And also, like I said, I can't set up my fucking PC because my desk is a piece of shit, and I have to get a new one. So. But the fact that it's there as an option is cool. Um, it is an early access, so it'll only get more updates, not only to improve the quality and the performance and the consistency and the server stuff, but also more content. Probably more objectives, buildings tech, pals, of course, enemies, bosses, and more dynamics to the combat and other things down the line. So for Pokemon fans who aren't holding a grudge against this, they're loving it because it is an actually innovative experience and it evolves the Pokemon the Pokemon formula so well. It's drastically different. The last Pokemon game that came out on Switch... I haven't played it, but it seems like you just walk around. It's buggy as hell. It looks fucking retro. I mean, it looks like, not even like stylistically retro. It looks like it's from like a shitty port of a 2008 Wii U, or Wii game. Not a Wii U game. Um, and there ain't jack shit to do. See, that's that was the problem with Pokemon Go. Even though all the virality behind it, and it was pretty viral, and it was a really interesting mechanic, the problem is, once you caught the Pokemon, unless you just like collecting them, then there's that, and that's actually really cool. And I still like that whole concept. I like just going outside, being on the go. I don't play it anymore. I, don't have, I haven't touched the game since it came out in 2016, and I tried it for a couple weeks. But, um... But I kind of like that concept. I think that's cool. I just, there's not much gameplay element behind it. Like, oh, you can battle the Pokemon, but who gives a shit? Especially on mobile. Who cares? Um, you know what this game kind of reminds me of? If anyone ever owned Webkins, maybe I'm dating myself here. Um, I was a big kid. Uh, I am a big kid still. I was a big fan of Webkins as a kid, is what I meant to say. You know, when I was... Six, seven, eight, like Webkins were blowing up in popularity. It was dope. You get these cool little well-made stuffed animals. And then you scan them. And you set up your Webkins online account. And then there's a virtual version of them that you can take care of. <laughs> it, that's ingenious, people. <laughs> I don't think people realize how smart that, that is. I mean... You know, nowadays you'd be like, oh yeah, Skylanders and all these other things. Yeah, but like Webkins was like one of the first to do it. It was in the era of Club Penguin and Pop Tropica and Cool Math Games. And if you know any of that, and if that gives you nostalgic, welcome to the Veterans Club. You are a goat. And fuck everyone else who doesn't know that stuff. Anyway. Um, but yeah, Webkins was dope. And, uh, you know, it's a little, it's for kids, right? And I was a kid, so it was really cool then. But, um... You know, you take care of them, and they're kind of automated. 
And that's it. There's not much to it. There's some mini-games you can do. I was playing full-blown GameCube games at the time, and Wii games. So it's not like Webkins is like really taking up much of my gaming time. But I'd check in on it every week or so. And I loved having the stuffed animals. You know, so that's the bigger factor of it. Um, that was dope. That added a level of connection and interactivity to a stuffed animal that you may not have otherwise. Or they may have, but then just expanded on it. Really, really smart. Power World reminds me of that. Now, there's no physical things. Some of them are adorable, though. You're connected to them. It's kind of like, um, you know, it's like any of these creature games where you have your own creatures. You know, whether it be mobile or web-based or just general video games, right? I don't know. Um... I think Animal Crossing would come to mind for a lot of people. I didn't play that, really, so I, I couldn't say that, but I, I could see. Um, so what is Power World? Power World is an open-world survival action game. Right? So I've already made the comparisons to Pokemon, so if you know Pokemon, you kind of get an idea of what this looks and feels like. It's built in Unreal Engine 5. It looks great, runs really smooth, considering it's such a low-budget, small team behind it. And it's this massive open world, and you get plopped in, and there's crafting. I mean, it's very, very Minecraft. So if you like Minecraft, which most people do, even if you're not a big fan of it now, or even if you don't play it now, I loved Minecraft as a kid. I have no problem with the crafting systems. No Man's Sky is a dope game. It allows some great crafting and space and exploration. This has some of those streamlined, modernized approaches to crafting. Minecraft is a little more tedious and slower. That's okay. That's the point of Minecraft. But, I mean, I still love Minecraft, but that's the point of it. Whereas this, the crafting and the all that, that it's supposed to be a little more streamlined um, because it has to integrate some other factors to it. It's third person, you're running around, right? you start butt naked on an island, and you're trying to just navigate the world. And you just walk around, you explore stuff. It's cool to explore. It's not overwhelming. It's a massive fucking map. There's a lot to do. You will die. This game is not particularly the easiest game ever. There are some challenges to it. But if you die, you just respawn at your point, and you gotta go pick up your shit, kind of like Dark Souls. I don't know what would happen if you died again before you can go and pick up the stuff you drop. I have, I, I don't know. It's never happened to me. Maybe you lose it, or maybe you lose some of it. I don't know. Anyway, um, and it is progression of time. You start on the lowest tech. You got wooden sticks and clubs. You are a caveman, essentially. You punch trees. You make a pickaxe. You break rocks. That whole thing. You make a crafting bench, essentially. It's the same idea. There's a repair station, all these. And then you start building more. You build structures, very basic structures. You ain't got to build brick out of brick. You know, it's some more well-rounded, semi-hyper-realistic-looking game. And so you're just plopping down entire blueprint thing, like segments, like wall. Like, here's a whole wall. You plop it down as long as you have the resources. Similar to Fortnite. It's actually very similar to how you build in Fortnite, which is good because that's a streamlined approach. Everyone knows how to do that. And it was actually really smart in how they built that mechanic. So it's very similar to that, or to No Man's Sky is actually what I'd compare it to more so. This feels more closer to No Man's Sky crafting and stuff than it does um, other games. But I'm saying Minecraft because yeah, I know for a fact more of you have played Minecraft. 
Um, so, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, here's the thing. So you're walking around, you're trying to do this and do that, not die, collecting stuff, kind of figuring out the world around you. There's fast travel points. Um, you know, you've got stamina, you've got health, there's durability on equipment and weapon load. It is a survival game. And then you have the pals and the pal balls, right? The pal balls are how you capture them. And you can build them and craft them by breaking these little blue rocks that give you pal fragments and other materials. Um, the whole name of the game is to expand, to get more pals, to get more powerful ones. And they do really interesting stuff. There's full-blown inventory management. There's full-blown crafting mechanics. There is actually fluid combat mechanics here. There's decent exploration. There's some chests. There's some hidden goodies. It all feels and runs smoothly, and it's actually fun to explore. And so here's the problem where usually these games lose me, especially survival games with crafting. Because I, I, I like those games. I usually can't stick around with them. There's a couple things at play. The pacing of this game is excellent. You can get pretty good. You can f progress pretty far in just a handful of hours if you stay dedicated. It's that balance of being productive, building your base, or going and doing that objective, killing that boss, finding the, this certain pal, whatever you're trying to do. There's that level of kind of objective nature that makes you feel like you're accomplishing something, because you are. You set out in your own objective and you went and did it. And it rewards you at a healthy rate. So, there's a tech tree. You get these technology points. Right? And then you can unlock things to then build. And then, of course, you have to have the resources to build them. And I want to make a really, 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 really important point here on why Power World works the way it does so efficiently in my mind and the reason why I didn't uninstall it within the first four hours like I do with many survival crafting-based games. Because... A lot of the core component when it isn't involving the pals, which is the main gameplay stuff, and the reason why I'm not talking about it is because it's a little more simple and it's somewhat, but it, it's the more flashy thing. I want to get a, I want to just tell you what you're going to experience first if you drop in, and what you're going to experience very consistently. It's crafting and combat and building and stuff like that, but it's not tedious. A lot of these games make it tedious. Now, depending on the aesthetic or the setting of the game, maybe it's supposed to be because it is truly a survival game. However, like, no, I don't want to take forever to build something. I don't want to have to have an engineering or an architect's degree in figuring out how the fuck to build this. That's not fun. The reason why Minecraft works so well is because it's a sandbox and it truly respects your freedom. And it does limit you, but it limits you in a natural, organic, contextual way to the way the world is designed. Power World does the same exact thing. But there are other crafting games where it's just this arbitrary wall, and it's such a steep climb to get to where you want to go that it, the momentum is dead. Right? And things don't feel as impactful, and it's just not as exciting. And there's not much depth to it either. That's the problem with most crafting games is because you're just trying to survive and explore and hopefully find some new secrets and get better gear. And that's fine, but what else would you do? Like, what is there to accomplish? 
And so what Power World does is it says, well, here's all these creatures. There's a hundred plus of these species. Good fucking luck. <laughs> so you're trying to build up your resources, your base, because you want to hold more. You get the PAL deck and it allows you to store them all and then you can get a base and the more you do stuff around your base, you can upgrade and have PALs working around the clock, automated. And you have to kind of take care of them, though you can set up, though every time you realize, oh, my PAL's getting hungry, oh, uh, they're they're losing their sanity. They're they're tired of working. All these things, these problems that arise immediately as that starts to happen, you start to realize you are far enough in the tech tree to unlock a new item to build that will help alleviate that problem. Right. So every problem is met with a solution. That's important because there's a lot of mechanics at play at this game. So you have the basic crafting. You build your build any structure as long as you have the resources, right? The main resources are wood and stone. Once you have those two things, you can build most everything. Once you get into the advanced stuff, though, you know, you need some other elements, ore and uh, pal fragments and all these other stuff. But for the time being, and for where I'm at, uh, that's what really counts. There are fast travel points. There are objectives. There is boss fights. There are many boss fights, and they will give you better rewards, of course, good XP, all that. And then there's an actual like first full-blown mission objective. I haven't even gotten to that yet. I don't quite know how big this open world is. I've traveled to what I thought was the end of the open world. Or maybe it's the first quadrant. And listen, the open world doesn't have to be the most full. But the gameplay has to allow me to expand and build and feel like I can keep building this world out. And of course, as the game updates, improves, and adds things, so will the expansion of content. This is an early access game with not all the content finished in there. So that's the other thing. It's already pretty expansive. So every PAL world has... Every PAL world. Every PAL, like a Pokemon, has its different traits and elements. There's different stats and boosts. Some of it's good at working. And then there's passive skills that help aid in other things. So some of it, some of the times they can garden, they can build, they can, there's like seven or eight home base traits where they can be in automated tasks and excel and specialize and go and do that. And they will automatically do that. And they have passive buffs that will do that. And they also have um, some passive nerfs that will hinder them in certain things. Your PAL deck is huge. You can have so many stored in there permanently and then rotate them. And then depending on your base size, you start with three. And every time you upgrade your base, it adds a new slot so you can have a new PAL automated at full time to maintain your base. And they're out in the open. They're exploring. They're doing their own thing. They all know how to automatically fight and defend themselves. They don't permanently die from what I can tell. That's another big thing. That was something I was kind of worried about. It's like if I make one fuck up and they permanently die, since I can't like go back to a checkpoint and stuff, what, if I lose all my pals, I lose the bulk of what feels like my progression. Right? A lot of time and resources and XP and leveling up because you they have their own skill trees. They have their own benefits, passive buffs, and you can level them up and level up their health, their defense, their attack, and their specials. And you can swap their own skills. So that's a whole other thing. Not only do you have your own skills your own tech points so you can unlock new technology for your base and for your gear and weapons and improving all of that and your resource management. Uh, but then each pal individually can have its own special gear and unique stuff that you can build for them. And they can also have their own skill. Tr they have their own small like skills that they can implement and add new 
abilities down the line, I assume. That's a huge amount of content for a preview game. And I, I'm in love that I'm in love with this game. You know, I like being into this game. You know how sometimes you're into a game and you're like, is this a guilty pleasure? Am I into this because it's for the wrong reasons? You know what I mean? I can't change my world name. I spelt it wrong. <laughs> oh, well. I tried to make it Pals Patine. Palpatine. Oh no, I think I did it right. Pals Patine. Like Emperor Palpatine. But on first glance, it kind of looks like Palestine, which I was not trying to make it look like. I was just looking at it right now. Anyway, um, I'm looking at this. I'm level 12 already. There's, I think there's like over 70 levels. It's a lot. Um, and with each level, you unlock a new branch of the tech tree, so you can unlock new stuff. And obviously, the technology becomes more advanced, right? You go from wooden to bronze, to copper, all that. There are firearms in this game. That's a whole thing, right? That was the selling point in the beginning. There's pals with guns. You ain't going to touch a fucking gun for a very long time. I'm still on a bow and arrow, and I'm like 10 hours into this game. And that's okay, because it all works well. It is an RP. It's an action RPG, too. There is combat. There is a shit ton of combat. That is the gameplay loop. I realized that if they didn't have this, this would suck. Um, so, how do you capture a pal? Okay, let's say you're out in the wilderness and you see a pal. First of all, each pal has their own level. They have their own dynamics. They're individual, you know, subspecies of them. So, you, there's often duplicates. You can capture them and they store them in your inventory and you can only have so many deployed at your base and they will automate and build for your base and you have to have resources for them. Beds, food, recreation, things like that. And that's all cool because it expands your base. Eventually you have to have some protections. And then also, when you're out and exploring, you can have four pals equipped in your hot slot at any time and you can cycle through them. And you can only have one deployed at a time. I, I would hope that eventually you can have more. Um... But you have one deployed, and they aid you greatly in combat or pulling aggro. And they have different combat statuses and benefits. And there's this constant push and pull, right? Because there's a risk-reward. Obviously, if your pal gets killed, they're incapacitated, you have to go put them back in the pal box where you can't use them for 10 minutes. Not a big deal, but, you know, takes them out of circulation which would hinder the progress. Everything is about the march of progress against time. You're trying to expedite the process. And so anytime some friction of that comes into fruition, then shit happens. It's frustrating. There are bosses that will completely fuck you. There's some bosses that are roaming around that I tried to take on that just massacred me. And there's nothing I can do about it. I have to wait to get stronger. The combat is not that complicated. It is very point and click and shoot. And that's okay. It's not supposed to be. There's so much other things. There's exploration and crafting and there's combat. But the combat is consistent. I think that's important in a game that wants to highlight it has guns and action and things like that. There needs to be conflict of combative nature. So, unlike Pokemon where, you know, you gotta invite to duel and sometimes, you know, whatever the fuck they do nowadays. I don't even know what they do anymore. With Pal World, here's the thing. You can throw... Once you have your Pal 
like and they're in your roster if you're going out into the world you can leave yours and they will automate tasks i'm not kidding when you build up your base like i now have a logging place and a stone place so now i don't even have to go and chop trees and hit rocks to make the two main materials to keep building i've got a place that has infinite amount and i've got pals that are doing that around the clock automating that process that creates a connect connection the, first of all these fuckers are adorable they are very cute and you don't want them to get hurt or die and you don't want to mistreat them i would think i mean maybe some sadistic fucks really want to maybe it's for comedic purposes i'm I'm not, like, emotionally attached to them, but I don't want anything bad to happen. It's just like when you have a companion in a game, like a dog or something, you don't want them to get killed. You know what I mean? It's just a natural caregiving sense, I guess. You just want to expand, and you want... And it kind of feeds in that role-playing, where you're taking care of them, because you've technically enslaved them. But still, fuck it, that's the principle of the game. Who cares? So, um... Yeah, so they'll automate tasks, they'll work for you. Um, they have bonuses and stuff, so there's the home base building and all that, and that's exciting, because that gives you another element and a reason to explore. Oh, I want to go find this material. Oh, I want to. I need to go explore and find this or capture this pal. This would help me. And then there's the just fucking around and exploring in general. And then there's the combative exploring where you're actively trying to look for a boss and kill it. And so there's different ways of going about it. But regardless, if you're trying, regardless of if you're trying to stay alive and kill something for its natural resources from its dead body, or like food or special items and glands and things that you use for crafting, there's that. And then, of course, there is um, capturing them. There is a percentage rating. You have to make these pal balls. You only have so many at a time. They're they're not hard to make, but they're just you you know, especially in the beginning, you only have a finite amount of them, so you want to make every shot count. And, of course, you want to get stronger pals, better at combat, better at this and that, more rare. And the further you push onto the world and the higher level you get, the higher level they get, right? So the harder they are to capture, the harder they are to kill, and much, much harder. And the more beneficial and rewarding they are, and the cooler and more unique they are as well, less common. So that's also a natural progression as you go on you start to see cooler shit generate. And you see new biomes, new creatures. There's a fuck ton. It's incredible. I don't even think I've scratched the surface. I think I've seen a total of 20 unique species already, and there's over 100. That's ludicrous to me. I've seen some videos of ones where I'm like, how the fuck do you find that? You know, It's incredible. So aside from all of that, when you want to capture one for your own there's a percentage chance that you would capture it, you know. And the more rare they are, shows a little color, and then it shows the, the percentage would be much lower off-rip. Now, you could throw that ball, you'd waste it. You'd discard it as soon as you leaves your hand. And if you miss your throw, but even if you hit it, that percentage chance will change, and it'll take a second, and sometimes they'll break free, and it's a bust, and you have to throw it again. So how do you increase your percentage odds? You have to hurt them. <laughs> it's kind of fucked up, I know. They, um, your own pals will naturally regen their health. You do have to keep their food, but everything else, um, the worker ones, you have to keep an eye on passively more so, but you set up these automated tasks where they can be self-sufficient when you're gone, um, so it'll be fine. But, uh, but when you're out and about, you do have to, you know, feed yourself and feed your pals, so you want to have enough food. It's really easy. It's not like this long animation. You just open up the menu, you just pop food and 
just press a few buttons and you're feeding things. So that's what I also like, the fluidity, the fact that this game isn't wasting your time with animations and mechanics. If this was a Rockstar game, this game would be so slow. But this game is pretty streamlined, and I appreciate that, because it gets, allows you to get back into what you want to do, right? Explore, capture more unique pals, expand your base, and get higher level and get cooler tech. That's the whole name of the game. But there's different ways of expanding. But it's all about expansion and exploration. And they have that down pat because they have so many mechanics that are their own unique threads of mechanics that make it unique and exciting. And they also all feed into each other as a core gameplay loop. And that's an ingenious way of doing it. So, with all that being said, you want to get the coolest, biggest, newest pal that will be beneficial to either your base or to your own roster for when you go out and attack and take on bosses and bigger pals that you want to capture, right? There's always a bigger fish in the sea, and so, you know, uh, so you might use your biggest pal up to date to try to whittle down their health. And so there's constant combat. You have to keep in mind you're going to want a weapon for self-defense and to gain resources, but also to whittle down the health of your pal, but then to not kill them, because if you kill the one you're trying to capture, tough shit, it's dead. You get the resources from its dead body, but now you don't capture it. So you want to get it as low to health as possible. You probably want to, um, like, unsummon your pal that was assisting you in combat, because they will merc what you're trying to capture. They will not hold off. They'll just consistently attack. So once you whittle it down, and then you can throw your pal ball, and it has a higher percentage chance of capturing it. And that's the gameplay loop of capturing them. And then there's boss fights where you could technically capture them, but it's really difficult. So you might as well just try to kill them. And there's so many other mechanics. I haven't even gotten to the guns yet. I don't know yet. I haven't unlocked them. But I've seen other, like, AI use them. There are AI humans with guns that will temporarily invade. There is a wanted police mechanic for if you try to kill a survivor or a human that will automatically go off. Um, this is, of course, co-op. It's PvE. I don't think there's any PvP mechanics, but there are other AI and pals and other creatures that will try to invade your base. So you will want some automated defense systems in place there. So there's a lot of combat involved. And the combat is important. Your pals will have different combat ratings. They will have different elemental effects and they'll have different movesets and gear that will change that, as will you. So not movesets and skills, but you'll have different gear, weapons, guns, munitions, Bow and arrow, sticks, spears. Doesn't matter really what it is, but you'll have something. Also, the traversal is really smooth. You can parkour climb off o over most things. You can jump pretty high. You can run. You can sprint. You can't crouch, interestingly, unless I don't realize you can. And you can buy gear that helps you stay alive longer, as well as like a parachute, which is just like a hang glider from like Zelda. Um, things like that that help you traverse even faster. Uh, apparently there's a grappling gun you can unlock. That'll be exciting to have. It's all streamlined. Fast travel is really pretty fluid. And whenever you set up a base, it has an immediate fast travel point. And you unlock more fast travel points. You'll unlock really special, like, basically, like, souls. And they allow you to upgrade the overall stats of your pals. Or the overall capturing ability of your... So th there's a shit ton of mechanics at play that it makes this game exponentially more deep and complex than I would have ever thought. I genuinely, honest to God, when I first saw this game, thought it was going to be capturing pals, whatever, and there's guns in the world. I did not realize it was a crafting survival exploration game that would require you to stick with the game and really grind it out to become more powerful. 
obviously that makes more sense to keep the game fun and, and entertaining. I just didn't realize. So, so far I'm having an absolute blast. I love all these mechanics. I really love the PAL designs. You know, they're akin to Pokemon, but they're they're not like, I don't know, I'm not the biggest Pokemon fan. I'll see some where I'm like, yeah, that's a Pokemon. But like, I don't know, they got their own names, they have their own traits. There's some dark comedy here, you know? There's some, there's some funny dark comedy. Like one of the like shadow characters, like kind of like a shadowy cat, his name is Depresso, and he looks depressed all the time. Or her. I don't think gender really matters. It does show their gender because there is breeding, there is things like that. But um, I've captured one of the Depressos. There, there's these weird hybrids, and they're all really fun and interesting, and they're all unique. Every single one of them looks and behaves differently. That's the other thing. Every single power world not only looks different, unless of course it's the same type. Like if you get multiple Depressos, they're all the same. But like they all have different abilities. You could have two Depresso characters. They're like little depressed cats it's hilarious and they might have different stats and ratings similar move sets same type and they're all named the same and i wonder if you can change the name of the ones you capture i haven't even tried and i don't really want to i feel like that'd make it really difficult other than for the, some of the ones i want to have like that are special and stand out but yeah you get more unique ones as you go i, I i've seen some of the ones that people have i i I don't even know how you get those. <laughs> There's so many other mechanics at play. I have no fucking clue how it works. And I love that. I love that about this game that I'm, I don't know, six to seven hours in. And, and it's one of those time suck games. I mean, I, I swear, people, I played it last night. I was just going to make a little progress, right? Build up my base. I decided to move my entire base. Not the easiest process, but was easy enough. Um... I mean, it took a little bit of forethought, but it's not like it erased your pals or anything. You can destroy your base and rebuild it. It's just moving the stone and wood back and forth is a little bit of a pain. So you have to be smart about when you place your chests down, when you set up the pal bench so you can fast travel, just to expedite the process. So that took like an hour. It wasn't easy, but it, it was fine. It was needed. I needed more space, and I found a much more ideal scenic location, like a really pretty spot with way more space where I can really call my own. So I'm really happy with that. So I set all that up, and then set up way more stuff, a better structure, all these other things, and um, yeah, man, and then I captured some more stuff, did some boss fights. I've been making some good progress, and it's really exciting to see where it's going. It's just an exciting game. I really didn't think this game would grab me, and so like I started playing it at like 12.30, maybe 10.30, 11.30, whatever, um... Started doing that base stuff, and by the time I was kind of done moving the bulk of the base, it was like 12.30. And I didn't have anything today. I was willing to stay up. Uh, and so I thought, yeah, I'll give it another hour, make a little more progress, finish this up. And it's just one thing after another. I mean, it's so expensive. There's so many things, and you want to just kind of keep pushing it. And it's just small objectives. And it's kind of exciting. Oh, I want to go do this. I want to find that. I didn't look at my phone. I, the automatic like sleep thing kicked in because it thought I was asleep. Finally, I looked at my phone. Three hours had passed. It was 3 a.m. I was like, what the fuck? And, you know, I don't get many moments like that anymore. And so that was really refreshing because I, I miss those types of games where you just get sucked in. I mean, that happens. I mean, it happened with Diablo. It happened with Remnant, but not as much. 
um, because you're dying more, it's a little more frustrating. This is more casual, so it's a little more easy to get sucked in, kind of like Minecraft. You're just exploring, you're kind of in this own world. And you care, you get attached to these pals. They help design the philosophy of this world. They help... It, I realize, like, this game doesn't feel as lonely. They're simple AI pathing, but they... They help make it more exciting. They're the whole name of the game, yes. The entire gameplay revolves around them. But they're not just pretty to look at, and you don't just pop them out whenever you want to do combat. You know? They're around your base at all times. They're constantly working around the clock. You could swap them in and out. You can have one deployed just next to you at all times. Eventually, you can get equipment so you can, like, ride the... the I have one of the big birds, the Nighthawk or whatever it's called, Nightwing, or whatever the fuck. So I'm trying to unlock a saddle so I can fly. That's pretty cool. I have a llama that I got a saddle for, so now I can kind of, it's kind of like the, like, torrent from, um, torrent? Torrents from, uh, Elden Ring. So now I have some traversal that way where I'm not just on foot. You, you grow. You, you get attached to your entire little village, and it's your own little village, and they support you. I know I sound like a psychopath right now. I'm not trying to. They love me. I swear, guys. It's not like that. They just... The gameplay feeds into it. Like, it doesn't feel like it's a chore to take care of them. They are very, very sufficient. They are very smart. They can do combat. They can defend themselves. They can automate tasks. Right? If you set up the, the feed stuff and put the seeds in and then set up some berry plantations, which you're going to want to do, they will, and as long as you have the proper ones that can do gardening, can do watering, can do whatever other ones, and they have specific things, and if they don't have that designation, they will not be able to do that. They'll do something else, but they won't be able to do that. So uh, at one point I, I was letting some rest because I didn't have the proper resources at the time, and I accidentally swapped out the my main water person, my penguin guy who like waters the seeds, and my main guy who plants the seeds. Mind you, I have these little uh, self-feeding things where I put some berries in there to give them a head start and give them some insurance. And then with the berry plantation thing where they're planting their own berries, they will take the resources and put them in the appropriate places. They'll either put them in a furnace or they'll put them in the feed thing, or they'll put them in a chest if it's general resources. Like, I have a lumber and a stone yard now. They will take those resources and put them in the chest for me. And it's adorable. I just pick them up and carry them. Small chunks. <laughs> um, but, uh, but at one point, I, I swapped out the wrong ones, and so there was no food being made when I went out on an expedition. Now, I had some food on me, and, and so I fed it and replenished it and changed some stuff, but, um, you know, things like that. So you do have to be a little mindful, but it's all pretty self-sustaining. And I assume as it expands, as they improve and hammer out the bugs, the glitches, improve some of the pathing with some of them, because they sometimes clip or run into buildings a little bit, but they're not stupid. They're not brain dead. And they have character. They have personality to them. They're very fun to interact with, and they're cool to look at. So I, I really enjoy this game. I think all of its gameplay elements you know, on paper it was one thing, and then in execution it all comes together. It works. It is a fun and addictive game. It's one you just want to sit down and play and check in and see how your pals are doing. You want to expand. You want to go see what's over there. What's that tower? Who's that boss? You want to see if you can get that cool new item. It is. It all feeds into itself. It's a really, really well thought out game. This is not one just like, 
market cash grab. This is one of those games where they thought about this, they developed a good goddamn game, and then they used the marketability of, hey, Pokemon with guns. Right? Whereas at first it seemed like a joke, a dark joke, or a meme, like, oh, slave labor Pokemon with guns. Like, I thought it was just kind of like a troll game. That might be kind of fun, but like in... I didn't think it was going to be a full-blown, actual, functioning fucking game. It's going to be better than most of the crafting systems. Most people are saying it's better than any Pokemon they've played in recent memory. And a lot of people are saying it's better than most crafting games. This is this is outpacing most AAA games right now in terms of fun, replayability, and dynamicism. And that's hard to do in this day and age. Even if you have a unique idea. Because even though this game is open world and you can do anything at your own rate, it's more so you can do anything at your own speed of time, but it's eventually you have to go and do that thing to really progress. And it's not a wall. It's inversed. It is a hurdle. It's, it's a wall you're trying to run to, not a wall you're trying to jump over, if that makes sense. A lot of games design their progress if they don't have, like... I mean, this game has leveling up, this has direct XP, and this has unlocking a tech tree as well as progress. But um, but this game's natural flow of progress is not just like, oh, you've hit a wall, now you have to do this, and if you don't do it, you will not succeed. You could succeed, you're just not going to be as efficient, and you're going to want to get to it eventually. And it's because something even cooler is right around the corner that will not only be really cool, but aid you in everything you're doing. But it never makes it tedious. It, it is a incremental build-up to that. So, so it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like um, you have this one really cool item you're trying to unlock, and then everything in between for the next ten levels is meaningless. You know, you're just trying to get to that point where a lot of games have that middle ground not being fun. Every small step is actually beneficial for one, which then of course in turn makes the gameplay more rewarding. So, the biggest. Th- the biggest punishment in this game is time. And so when a task takes more time than you would want it to, that is when a technology in the tree will advance and either automate that task and eventually speed up that process and make it more passive than direct so you can focus on capturing pals, killing bosses, and getting cooler tech. Because that is the three core pillars of what you're trying to do, and there are small things in between that will either slow you down in that process intentionally um, or make it a little more tedious, but not in a way where it cut, where you can't do it or it becomes unfun. And almost every time, it's an incredible balance. I don't know how they did it. Almost every time you hit a moment where you're like, okay, it's getting a little fucking much here, they come with the, oh, well, just build this. <laughs> you know? It's like there's... I swear to you, every time I've hit a problem where I'm like, okay, kind of like a, all right, well, now I need a new solution to this one. They have it, right? It was getting to a point when I was building my base, and I was like, okay, and I was talking to C's. Um, he and I have been playing this game. He, he's been getting into it recently. He hasn't had as much time with it, but he's getting into it as well. He's having a blast. And so he's in, he was in my world. They haven't made persistent worlds yet, and I hope they do. And I think you get to carry your like I think when but I do think your pals continue it's account bound so when you're when you use your character when you build your character and your character's account bound the world is if you start a new world it'll be new but it but I think like you won't 
so it'll generate new environments and probably new biomes. And so you might want to ha- go through a couple different worlds and I don't know yet, but, um, but I think it carries over your progress. So the gear that you have directly on you and maybe stuff in your inventory, but then more importantly, your pals. So everything you've unlocked in the previous world is in that pal box once you get to the point to build that, which doesn't take very long. takes an hour to get to that point when you start a new world. That's dope. That allows you to drop in and, and play with your friends and have your own squad, your own pals, without interfering with their own progress, and have your own tech, but still being able to build and explore their world, their biome. That's a really smart way of doing that. Instead of making it where like every time you start a new world... You start everything from scratch. You don't get to carry everything over. I'm not 100% sure if that works. Don't quote me on that. I'm pretty sure that's how it works because when Seize joins me and then he goes back to his own world, he still has his stuff consistent, his gear and his pals at the very least and some of his resources and his skill points, all that good stuff. So that's important. That's really important for the co-op aspect. And I don't know how many people are co I know it's at least four-player co-op, but I don't know how much more. First of all, that's dope. And do a stupid three world three player. I think they should say fuck it. We'll allow up to eight if they don't already. At some point, once they get bigger and can handle it. I'm not sure what the limit is. I haven't looked. Um, but yeah, all in all, this game is a blast. I've been having really a lot of fun with the intricate mechanics. Um, uh. It's just, it's fluid. It's it's an evolution of this crafting, the shared world. You can build stuff, you you know. It's fun. It's a, it's a fun kind of casual game. And having the pals makes the solo experience more fun. And it allows a more direct gameplay loop that other open world exploration or crafting games can't even have. So this game is just fucking phenomenal. I'm going to talk about some of the cons because there are some cons and there's some things I want to see in the future and by the time the full version hits and there's some things that worry me. But overall, this game is fantastic. And if you have it, if you have Game Pass, definitely download it. It's such a small game as well. It's only 6 gigs, which is also a plus. But, um, and if you don't have Game Pass, <laughs> maybe look into and buy in this one. This, this one's going to be around for a while. All right, let's get into some of the cons or things I'd like to see in the future. Alrighty, So I've talked about... I mean, I've gone off the rails. I've talked about some of the things that are happening with this podcast channel. I talked about some of the Microsoft Sony stuff and how it does kind of connect back to Power World. But, of course, I've given you the gist of the controversy behind Power World. I've given you the reason why I love it, the pros, the gameplay. Like I said, I'm really loving that I'm just getting into this game. And, you know, it's nice to sometimes be a part of the crowd, you know. I'm usually not. (laughs) Either I'm too early or I'm too late. I'm never kind of right at that zenith uh maybe i'm stubborn i i feel like a lot of us feel like when a game becomes super uber popular and we don't like know firsthand why we just like to hate on it like oh everyone's just fucking weird but some of my some of the game reviewers that i really trust and enjoy and appreciate we're just talking about how fun this game is and they're like uh, forget all the con- preconceived notions of the pokemon da, da, da. Uh, forget all the bad press that this game gets for it being the way it is. Fuck all that. Put that to the side. Play it. Play it. Look, I mean, it's just a fun goddamn game. And sometimes that's all you need. We're so wrapped up in the politics and the optics of how things seem that I feel like we short ourselves of having fun, right? I full well thought this game would be like a guilty pleasure. And then I realized, no, it's just a pleasure. 
this game is a really good goddamn game, and I hope that this is a becomes a franchise that can stand on its own two legs, and be not as derivative. Hopefully, it can distance itself a little more from Pokemon, so we don't have to have those comparisons in the future. But we will. Here's the thing, though. There's so many duplicates and compare. I mean, Fortnite copied PUBG. Ain't nobody complained about that. And you could say, well, it's Battle Royale. Hunger Games and the movie Battle Royale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We're talking about the actual circle, the the closure, the size of the lobby, the the mechanics, like a lot, the shields, the a lot of the intricate mechanics that made it the PUBG work in a video game format is carried, ripped straightly. You know, straight from Fortnite. And then Warzone copied Fortnite and PUBG. But they made it their own. Right? Nobody's saying that COD Warzone... Oh, COD Warzone... Oh, you know, it's like Fortnite. I mean, you can say that. You could say Apex, Warzone, Fortnite, PUBG, and some of the other iterations of the Battle Royale format are all the same. But they're not. They are very strictly unique in their own way. They're just of a genre. Pokemon has been the only dominant genre where you capture alien monster-like creatures and, yeah, use them for combat and use them for story purposes. This is, like, what, Spore? <laughs> Heyday? Like, what, what other thing has had that kind of, you know what I mean? There are other games, but not really. So Power World is a competitor. There are some things that are directly derivative, and there are some things that they have to be very careful about now that they're this popular. And they could steer away from it. But Pokemon isn't completely original. Like I said, it's deriving from nature, and it's using natural elements. So if a fucking falcon uses an air tornado, what's the big goddamn deal? It's a flying bird. And if you're going to give it some elemental power, why wouldn't you give it some air ability? How is that so unique? Now, if the actual design of something is so goddamn alike to a Pokemon in the name and all that, then then that's a little much. And it's like, okay, you can still make your own version of that and not have it be so derivative. You can have a side-by-side -side and make people think this is a cheap knockoff. Because that's the other problem. When games do derivatives like this, they're doing cheap knockoffs, and it... People fear there's no originality. There's a shit ton of originality and innovation. You just have to get past that hurdle. And play the game. Anyway. So, that's one thing I'd like to see change. Like I said, I love this game. The gameplay is great. I'm having a blast. So, here's some things I'd want. You know, because this might be a, my new time suck, my my new Minecraft, which I haven't had in ages, or maybe not. I love No Man's Sky. During twenty the summer of twenty twenty one, I still love No Man's Sky, but I'm not playing it like that anymore. But during that time, I must have sunk a hundred hours in that game over the summer. That and Diablo three. That was pretty much my main games. I had a blast. I got No Man's Sky on Game Pass. It was it had all of its fixes and additions and just had a blast exploring the universe and crafting and creating. I still love it and I still go back to it every once in a while. But you know, I kinda explored it to the full extent. I feel like Power World might be in that same realm where I'll have a blast for three months and then it might wear out. It will. I'll cycle through. There's some new games I'm excited for already that I wanna try. 
hell, right now I'm playing some Madden 24, getting back into Madden for the first time. I'm not the biggest Madden fan, but I'm I'm appreciating grinding that out a little bit with my friends, and I'm still punching in the clock for Rainbow. I'm trying to sharpen my skills up in Rainbow, and I'm trying to uh, build a new class on Diablo 4 Season 3. So, you know, I got other games. I got other things. I got a short film. I got albums. You know, I have life. So there's other things that will get in the way of me playing this game, but for the most part, I'm having a lot of fun with it. And so when we dedicate our time and energy, since I haven't had to dedicate a singular dollar to this game, I want some reassurances, right? We all do. And there's no reassurances in this gaming world, especially in a live service model. But I would like to know if this game can stick around, right? Now, we never know. These games, if they blow up this big, they fizzle out, but they're still a, a fraction of that top number that still stays around. Because this game has so much in-depth mechanics, and because it's so akin to Pokemon, and because there's so many other elements at play, I actually think it'll stay around a lot longer. Because here's the other thing. You can play this game alone. Most of the other games I've mentioned that have that morality factor, you cannot play in a very fun or functional way, single player. That's a huge component that I failed to mention about Power World. I've played majority of this game alone. Now, it's more fun with friends, but this game is plenty fun alone. That's important because those who are finding it fun and enjoying exploring, like myself, we could play it whenever. It's no big deal. It's a casual, fun game to play alone or with friends. That's important because Minecraft is the same way. Right? Fortnite works because it blew up and it sustained its longevity, and so there's always people playing it. But if there weren't, if people fell off and stopped playing it, like Battleborn, you know, it's a dead game. So when it has the single player seamlessly just functioning as well, it makes it a lot easier. No Man's Sky is the same way. You can play No Man's Sky with friends, and it's more fun that way. But you can completely play it alone and still have a blast. Okay, this game is in early access, so there are some things. I haven't had many bugs or glitches or stuff, and that's pretty impressive considering, but... You know, some animation glitches, a few bugs here and there, nothing really to write home about, so I'm not worried about that. Or to complain about. Writing home is usually a good thing. Anyway, nothing to complain about um, in that department. I will say, though... There are some some fluid things that I'd like to see, especially by 1.0, which I think we will get. First of all, I don't think you can change your player name. You're just this random number. So that's a little odd. So I wish we could change our player name. Um, I, I would like to have that. There's guilds, and then that would make it easier when you're playing with friends. <laughs> especially if you're going to play with multiple friends, so you know who's who. Um, I'd like them to retweak the fast travel a little bit. I think Elden Ring spoiled me. It, they, it did spoil me. It's one of the greatest games ever made. I'm so excited for the DLC. I'll make a podcast about that at some point. But um, in Elden Ring, once you find that place and unlock that fast travel, you just open up your map and you fast travel to it. Same with Diablo. That's nice. <laughs> There's not many fast travel points in Pell World. They're very spaced between each other. You can always fast travel from your home base. However, you can't always fast travel. So, like, if you're at your home base, you can fast travel anywhere. That's really good. And then there's fast travel stations, right? 
But if you set up your home base as soon as you establish it, it will make its own fast travel point. And that's cool. Um, but, I mean, thank God for at least that. Otherwise, you'd have to build bases right next to these fast travel points. And they're not always in the most convenient spots to build bases. Um, I would just like to be able to open the map and fast travel. Now, if I can't fast travel to this or that point, fine. But I would like to at least be able to fast travel to my base. I do understand that part of the challenge would be like, oh, you gotta get back, resources, but, <clears throat> excuse me, it's it's not like that. You're not running out of food, you're not running out of stamina, you're not gonna die that easily from doing stuff like that. You will, it's just tedious. Maybe it's to pad the gameplay time, maybe it's a mechanic they plan on implementing, they just didn't have the chance to, I don't know. But at the very least, I'd like to be able to just open up my map and always be able to fast travel back to my home base. Um, what else? I think... I think they need to do some small adjustments to the weight proportion of things. You do have a weight limit. And you can upgrade it. And I do appreciate when you do skill points since you only get so many and it's so few and far in between. It does significantly statistically improve things, especially for the weight thing. Um, so you can hold more stuff, but I like the chests don't have a weight limit. They just have a slot limit. I, I like that there doesn't seem to be a stack limit, or if there is, it's a very high number. That's all really good. I, I appreciate that. I would appreciate just two resources having... It's weight reevaluated. The stone and the wood. I get in real life it's pretty heavy. I do understand if you have a lot of it, it should weigh you down a bit. It's the most important basic common resource you're going to be using. You need these two elements, at least in the first ten hours, to build almost everything. And you need a lot of it. And it's not hard to get. Luckily they've made it really easy. You get plenty of it by just chopping down one tree, hitting one rock. And it's pretty quick. That's not the problem. A lot of games make that part tedious. The problem is... You're going to have to drop so many things. So I think they need to reevaluate the weight on that. The they're, they're, Those two things are just too heavy... Considering the amount of... How much you'll need of it. Like you can't even carry... A decent stack size of it... Without it taking up half of your weight. So, now maybe they have some tech things, like a backpack, that dramatically expands the weight you can carry and the slots. That would be cool. Now, I assume they must at some point. Especially when you start getting guns and other weapons. However, for the time being, those two basic resources aren't very fun. Um, what else? I really liked how in No Man's Sky, when you open up, when you're next to your ship, you have your personal stuff, and then you have your ship inventory, and you have seamless access to both. Um, that'd be cool if they had that. It worked in No Man's Sky, because, like, in the world, you could teleport stuff, but in this, it's more archaic, so I kind of get they don't have that. I guess that's fine, but... Just a little more seamless 
inventory management. Um, what else? I hope they add more combat elements, especially for you as a player. A combat skill tree, I assume they will add a skill tree for the person. Not just basic better health, better stamina, better attack power. That's all good, just raw power, but also more power. But like actual abilities, movesets maybe, or just passive bonuses to how you play. And some more dynamics, like critical weak points and things like that. I think that would be cool. Um, just to play into more of the combat elements that are all there and really fun to play with, as well as the capturing the pals elements, you know. And they might. There's <laughs> a very high chance there's technology and other things at play. And of course, like I said, this is early access, so they're probably planning on a lot of stuff to add that would greatly improve those things. Um, what else? Um, I, I'm kind of blank. Oh yeah, no, I'm looking at my map right now. This world's fucking huge. I'm not through half of it. I'm not even through five, ten percent of it. Um, uh, I don't know much about all the more advanced stages of combat. I know there's enemies with guns. I know there's bigger pals. There's boss fights. I'm just hoping that they are actually challenging. They are. I mean, when you go up against something that's way higher level, they will just rock your shit. And there is a chance you can kill them. There's a chance to win, so it's kind of fun, that push and pull dynamic. I just hope that that stays consistent as you get further. Um, and that's why I say some of these things are not just straight up cons because I don't know I haven't played all the game right this is initial thoughts in the first few hours so there's a lot of stuff I have not fully understood and I don't want to spoil anything for myself I forget very often when I play this game because I'm so accustomed to Minecraft and stuff like that this game's technology rapidly advances you will get guns <laughs> grappling hooks carbon fiber metal structures right like it's it's you the industrial age comes into this game. That's a huge gameplay element. That's the other thing. They they added, you know, you start from the wood age and you go stone, copper, bronze, brass, all that shit. Um, iron, titanium, you know, the the start of the industrial age with muskets and... Shit like that. I think you, your first gun you get is kind of like a musket. And then, like, <laughs> you get up to the modern day and probably some futuristic shit. As well as some sci-fi and fantasy elemental things as well. Probably some magic staffs and shit like that. That's cool. That's huge, though. There's a lot of stuff here. Let me... I've just opened up the the game here. Let me show you. Let me uh, show you. Let me look. Every time you level up, you get, like, two technology points, two or three, maybe more, and you unlock the next tech tree. And then there's multiple three to five things on that tech tree, and then there's the ancient technology points. That's another thing. Okay, so there's 50 tiers to this. I assume by full launch, there'll be 100. You get a rocket launcher by tier 49. Weapon assembly line mark two. 
47, tier 47, assault rifle, tier 45, legendary sphere, hyper shield, pump action shotgun, incendiary grenade, all this other shit, single shot rifle, so you get lower tech weapons, I'm at a bow and arrow right now, I get a musket at tier 21, but I also get a crossbow and a better armor, my pals can get armed. Now, I can give my monkey guys a rifle. And then there's the ancient stuff to the side. Grappling hooks, feed bags, hip lantern, single shot sphere launcher. Oh. What's that do? Is that like a pow ball sphere? Anyway, refined armor, launch pads, all that good stuff. Really, really just cool and innovative things across the board. And it's decently paced. But yeah, there's a lot to this. And there's... Real quick. And so that's why I say, like, cons are things to just be worked on or fixed. They, they do number the amount of pals. Let's see how many there are total. You can encounter them, they'll register that you found them, and there's a difference between capturing them, seeing them, all of that. There are probably just, oh wow, there's 111 pals. I've encountered 27 and I've captured 21. So I'm not even a quarter of the way through this game and I'm about 10 to 15 hours in. And of course it's only going to get more challenging, right? There is a challenge to this. So it's exciting. And the fact that this is all early access, so they're inevitably not just going to improve the gameplay mechanics, but they're adding more content and will, and Microsoft's going to invest to rapidly expand that. Because that's, that's the big thing. I would say that's the biggest factor that they have to consider. The speed in which they implement meaningful updates. New content, new weapons, new structures, of course, new pals, new functions, new boss fights, new enemy AI, maybe PvP arenas, better co-op integrations. Um, I would love to see a persistent world seed where you set the world up and your friends, if they have the permission, can go in at any time. Since you can lock your stuff behind a password anyway, like your, your doors to your building or your chest... Um, I'd like some more clarity and insurance on, like, can my friends take my pals out of my pal box? <laughs> can they accidentally take my pals? I guess I don't want that. So, can your pals be locked to your account? Is your account cloud saved and backed up? I think it is through Xbox, but, like, you know what I mean? So, some just some more reassurances, because when you spend this much time and energy, it would suck to lose a lot of progress if you make the wrong mistake. Now, it looks like they have a lot of basic insurance and, and safety things in place where that wouldn't happen. You'd have to go out of your way to lose your progress here. So that's good. Um, so that's, that's about it. Just, you know, uh, this is all game preview. It'll probably get a graphic overhaul. It, it looks good. It plays good. I mean, it looks real good considering low budget. But, like, when you see it on PC versus Xbox, it's a big quality difference. But it still is fluid and plays well. Um, I'm looking forward to them improving the combat mechanics a little more. Making those stat points matter. Those combat points matter. Damage output and all that. I haven't even fought my first official boss. I fought one boss, I think it was kind of like a mini boss, gave me some cool stuff, but 
I haven't even gone and done the main objective yet. The first one, the tower. The boss at Rain Syndicate's tower. Make sure your pals and equipment are in top condition. I'm excited to try all that. So, anyway, um, I hope that Power World continues its success. I hope the longevity continues. It keeps getting um, updates. It finds ways to integrate and keep players engaged even more. To keep expanding. Maybe make a companion app where you can keep tabs. Maybe, you know, the persi persistent online world so progress can be made. Um, I don't know. Things like that. There, th This game is already doing a, combining a lot of some great games uh, elements together and refining it and making its own and I and I only hope to see more of that expand and improve upon itself so yeah Power World's 30 bucks on Steam um, and on Xbox but if you have Game Pass whether you're on PC or Xbox you can download it for free you get all the same content um, it is only going to get better and we will see where it goes from here. But I am having a blast. I did not expect I'd have this much fun. I did not expect I'd sink this much time. I was just going to explore it and kind of see. And now I'm fully hooked in. And I just want to play it all day. So thank you all for listening. I hope you have a good one. And until next time, this is Psychic's Thoughts.